0: All right, start us off with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us, your your faithfulness, Lord. More than anything, Lord, uh, help us to be faithful. Help us to fear you. Help us to uh, be good stewards of what you've given to us. You've given us so much. You've uh, sent your son to die for our sins, even though we deserve that death. Um, Lord, even as we are talking about a very heavy subject, Lord, please be with us and uh, the hearts and the minds and the ears that hear this, Lord. Uh, help them to receive it, Lord, and help them to uh, point directly to you and away from the sin uh, that we that is so easily entangled, uh, so easily entangles us, Lord. Thank you for everything you've given to us, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I got to get the right introduction. Here we go.
1: This is Truth
0: Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks. Podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. It's been so long since I've said that. I, I'm tripping up on the words. I can't believe that. You Did great. <laughs> well, uh, the other voice that you just heard is actually the voice of a uh, lady that is in our church. Wonderful lady, that's in our church. Her name is Joy Hall. How you doing today, Joy?
2: I'm very well, thank you.
0: Great. You have probably already seen the uh, the title to this if you're hearing this, um, and uh, this is actually take two, and this is why it's take two. The first uh, podcast that we recorded last month, actually. Actually, no. Was it last month? It might have been the end of January we recorded it, and uh, or the beginning of February, one of those, and the file was corrupted. So, can't use that. Uh, I sent it to Joy for her to review, and she's like, It's nothing but a bunch of sounds. (laughs) And I'm like, yep, it's corrupted. So we're going to try this again. And this time I'm going to we're going to go through a few things. Um, Just a kind of a warning. Uh, for folks that are a little sensitive, yes, there are, of course, we're talking about uh, abortion and uh, the, you know everything that comes with that. So there are some, some topics and some things that we may uh, dive into that may not be suitable for everyone uh, that may be sensitive and or uh, your children, if you want to kind of give them a different view or kind of sift through this, filter it, then feel free. But just giving you a heads up in the beginning. Uh, for everyone just to be good stewards of this so joy thank you for coming on
2: happy to be here
0: I'm glad you're here and we're going to just dive right into it Um, you a few well actually well it's been two months now since you uh, were uh, with the Belcroft family and given us um, kind of a you know an overview of a few things that are uh, in the the world of abortion, you uh, are, and I, I say abortion, but also uh, the saving of those young lives as well. Um, you gave us a huge overview. Um, I think that I, I just start off with this. You know, in the in in the whole debate in the conversation, there are a lot of areas that we kind of miss sometimes, and in missing them. There may be some terms mm-hmm. that are used that are thrown out there that are um, that you know the average person you know that that aren't you know in a debate or in a conversation about it frequently may miss. Um, when I sent you the questions, one of the uh, <clears throat> one of the examples was healthcare. You know they right. throw out this word right. healthcare, and you know it's like you know abortion is healthcare is what is said over and over again in a lot of uh, spaces and places. Can you kind of give us um, and and I, and I'm making this a very open question, so you can kind of start off and we can go in a direction that wherever it leads. What are some of the terms and what are some things that we would may miss in this entire discussion um, for people that aren't on the front lines as you are?
2: Sure, great question. So healthcare, abortion being healthcare, that's a big one, and so we could just kind of branch off from there. When you see something, a service, for instance, that says reproductive health care services that may very well be an abortion clinic. Mm. Um, it could be for birth control as well. It could be comprehensive in that sense. But uh, reproductive health care is just not necessarily what it sounds like. Mm. It may not be about reproducing at all. It might be about limiting reproducing. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, another one I know we talked about when we recorded it the first time is the way the abortion pill is referred to. So the abortion pill can be called medication abortion. Sometimes it's called chemical abortion. Mm. Um, And now they're coming up with new ways to market it, like missed period pills. Hmm. So, you know, this is marketed to someone who doesn't necessarily like the idea of abortion. They wouldn't necessarily say, yeah, I'm good. I'm good with having an abortion. I want an abortion. But, You know, they're told, look, if you missed your period, you could just take these pills and it'll make your period come back. Hmm. But it's the abortion pill, it's Hmm. the exact same thing. It's not any different at all. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for those who are not, like you said, on the front lines, um, that terminology wouldn't necessarily pop out to them. They might just think that that's a, you know, a therapeutic medication. Right. But it's not. Now, if they, if you dig deeper, you will find out what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for those people in the church, you know, solid Christians aren't looking for things like this. You mm-hmm. know, so if they come across it, they wouldn't know what it was. But then on the flip side, you have a young girl out there who doesn't have a solid foundation, doesn't have a good church, isn't a Christian, doesn't really know what she's getting into. She could be fooled by that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I actually was speaking with someone a couple months ago leading up to Sanctity of Human Life Sunday who was talking about um, the idea that this, you know, the baby's not really a baby. It's not really a human being. And he said, you know, is it, is it even possible for anybody to, to really be that naive and really believe that? It really is. Yeah. It really is. So the, the language is, the language is a battle. It's a Mm -hmm. game. Mm -hmm. You know, it's what do you call yourself? How do you market yourself? How do you present your service and your product? There are people you can fool. Mm -hmm. You know, you can fool people with these softer terms. And, you know, another example of that that I think we talked about when we did this the first time was how the the whole – Excuse me. How the whole argument has changed because early on when abortions were first being performed, people would say, well, it's just a blob of tissue. Mm -hmm. And the science has just become so clear Mm -hmm. that you just you really can't argue that it's just a blob of tissue anymore. So, you know, most abortion proponents don't argue that because (laughs) it's so easily refuted. Mm -hmm. But, you know, normal people in the population still believe that to yeah. a degree. So, you know, there's a there's a set of people who will think that. They will think well, it's really early in the pregnancy. They they genuinely believe this. You know, it's really early in the pregnancy and it's just tissue. It's not really a baby. And then when you get to another group of people who know better, the argument will change. Well, okay. It is alive. It's not just tissue. It's a baby. But does it have a greater right to life than the woman who's carrying it? Mm. Isn't her life more important? Because she's already here. Mm-hmm. And this is just this is a potential life. This mm. isn't a real baby. Or is it okay, it's it's human, it's alive, but is it a person? I mean, what is personhood really?
1: Yeah.
2: Is this a person? I mean, this woman is a person and she has rights. Mm-hmm. And so you know, reproductive health care, reproductive rights. And again, if you heard the phrase "reproductive rights," wouldn't you think that that meant that you had the right to have a baby? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> right. That's, that's but this think. is the right to not have a baby. Mm. So it, the language really is a battlefield, and it it hits at multiple levels. If you're if you're uninformed or you're young, it's something you'll just fall for. Um, for older populations or people who are more informed they'll still fight that language battle and that philosophical battle what's a baby what's a person what is life anyway Mm -hmm. it's all just a game to get you to believe that you can do whatever you want and there are no consequences you have right to do whatever you want
0: Mm. you know as you were saying that i was thinking about the uh The language that I've heard many, many times when people will say, well, you know, my reproductive rights or uh, the phrase, my body, my choice. Um, But then on the other side to it, it's like... uh, you know, obviously, you know, we, we talked about this uh, a few, uh, almost a year ago, maybe more now, where the when you talk about the the V word, the uh, uh, the jab, you know, it's it's not my body, my choice. It's right. You know, all it's, of a sudden. Right. All of a sudden it's different. But what I always and what I'm hearing as well from women especially is, you know, you don't have the right or the government doesn't have the right to tell me. To have children. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, and No
2: one is telling you to have children. Yeah. Children are a natural result of certain behavior. Right. We all know what it is. Right. Um, and, you know, to back up a sec, as far as the rights, here's the crazy irony. Don't lose your thought wherever you were going next. Mm-hmm. But here's the irony. You know, this started out to say you have this right to do this, but the women that I talked to, all the time they don't they don't sit in front of me for the most part and there are exceptions there are women who are who will say to me it's my body it's my choice i can do whatever i want Mm -hmm. um which is legally accurate Mm -hmm. in this country you can do what you want legally um again in the states where it's legal but they don't generally come at this question saying i have a right to do this so many of them feel like they have to do it. Mm. It's gone from being a choice and a right to being something they actually feel pressured to do. They, mm. I mean, some of my clients don't feel like they, they literally don't feel like they have a right to have the baby mm. because they've been told from so many angles that it's not the best decision, that they feel like they would be hurting other people, say their extended family, their boyfriend, and even the child itself, like, mm. oh, bringing a child into this world would be a bad thing, I and mean, it's so flipped around that it's really not—it's not a not right; it's a pressure. Wow! It's—it's it's something. I literally have clients who feel obligated to consider abortion or have an abortion.
0: Mm. I, that is, thats is—that's—that's powerful. I—I I, I never thought of it that way. And—and and as you're saying that, it really like just it it illuminates in front of me because I'm thinking, okay, yeah, when they're sitting there and they're talking to, you know, whether it be a counselor at Wellspring or whether it is somebody that is at an abortion clinic. It's not really a thing. Well, hey, I'm here to get this done. It's more or less like, man, like I have to do this. Like I'm forced to do this versus it being a choice. And and the whole idea of it being choice, the whole idea of it being like they have to choose this um, or not necessarily they have to choose it, but like the idea of like, hey, it's my body, it's my choice. Mm-hmm. I want to say that and correct me if I'm wrong, I want to say that this isn't a this isn't a a result of the the situation you know when I say that I mean like uh they get pregnant and there are exceptions obviously they get pregnant and then you know it's like what do I do Mm -hmm. I don't think that it's a result of that it's like what am I supposed to do it's really a choice of like I have been programmed or I have been made to think this particular way to say, hey, look, this is what you do when you get pregnant versus having the baby, putting it up for adoption, or just taking care of the baby, the responsibility and everything like that. Am I wrong in saying that?
2: No, you're exactly right. I mean, for the most part, unfortunately, it's not a question of what's the right thing to do? What Mm -hmm. should I do? Mm -hmm. It's a question of what do people around me want me to do? what have i been like you said programmed i mean from so young in this country
1: mm-hmm.
2: programmed to do and to told to consider told mm. you know this is your your body your choice i mean what is that telling you it's telling you that having a baby is a negative thing mm. having a baby it's a burden a baby is a burden um you know some of the pressures are for instance the guy maybe the guy doesn't want the baby maybe for not much reason at all. He's not ready. He's young. He doesn't have a lot of money. Um, Maybe for reasons like he wants to finish his degree. She wants to finish her degree. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that can be a situation where she feels like, well, I don't want to do this to him. I mean, you know, it would derail him because he's doing X, Y, Z. And if we had a baby, he wouldn't be able to finish that Mm -hmm. or get that going. Um, So it could be something like that. A lot of times, it's the parents. It's the parents of the girl. And that could be a teenage girl or a girl in college or even a girl in her mid to late 20s. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how much influence parents have. Only a lot of the time now, the parents want her to abort as well. Mm. You know, things have changed so much that, um, you know, 30 years ago, 25 years ago, it might have been, this girl this young girl is pregnant she doesn't want to tell her mom and dad now a lot of the time she'll tell mom and dad and they'll take her to the abortion clinic yeah so things have shifted so much to where something that was supposedly your right your body your choice is something you probably really ought to just do Mm -hmm. because it's going to make everything easier on everybody
0: yeah yeah it's
2: expediency it's convenience yeah
0: and and as you're saying that i'm thinking of my old church there was a young man young woman who they she got pregnant by him and i remember this and now i'm not, I'm not glorifying what he what they did of course, obviously it was sin um in that situation uh they weren't married obviously they were still in high school i remember looking at him and he said like yeah man i gotta i gotta get a job now i was like what do you mean he's like because she's pregnant I, got, I gotta pay for a baby And of course, there is some virtue in that the fact that he is saying, well, you know, I I got this responsibility now and now I have to do this. But, you know, there is this thing where uh, one, a lot of times girls are scared to get pregnant because they don't know. And that when I was coming up, when, you know, as we were coming up, I would say it was like girls just didn't get pregnant because they didn't want the wrath of their parents to come down on them. Uh, So, of course, they would try to find different ways to not get pregnant. Mm -hmm. But then um, when you did get pregnant, you said something. It was more or less like, okay, you know, she's pregnant. Let's deal with this Mm -hmm. versus what you were saying, which is now kind of like you're getting in the hearts and the minds of these young people, you know, that are not influenced to be abstinent. Like, you know, you know, coming up in church, it was like, you know, you got, you know, just be abstinent. Don't do this. Don't do that. You shouldn't even be kissing her. And you know, you should be holding hands, you know, no purple, right. You know, don't make purple. You're red. (laughs) She's pink. No purple. No, you're red. She's blue. No purple or the other way around. Y'all know what I mean. We gotcha. But it's like, that was the the mindset. Now it's like, Hey, you know, even if you want to be a girl, you know, young man, you can do that. If you want to be transgender, you can do that. You know, all these different angles that are coming out. And now what you're saying, the result is that even the parents are deceived. That's the word deceived into thinking that that is the, the only way or what the, uh, uh, what society has, has basically just, just, you know, beat a path to It's literally just that abortion. So um, and I want to go back to the guy because, you know, last time we talked about the guys in the situation. Um, What is kind of your I'm I'm assuming and, and I think you said it last time that you actually do sometimes in the clinic. You all actually will. Uh, counsel some guys sure um kind of give me the 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 aspect and like i said i'm just leaving it open so you can kind of go wherever you want to do when it comes to the guys that you know and and the men young boys whoever they are that are influencing uh these these young ladies to have the abortion and or not have the abortion
2: yeah great question so sometimes uh a girl will come in with the boyfriend Mm -hmm. or the father. Sometimes it's not a boyfriend. It's just the father, maybe friends with benefits type thing. Um, a lot of times the woman comes in alone, but if she comes in with him, we'll talk with her first privately because we want to be able to give her the room to say what's really happening with him, Mm -hmm. particularly if he is pressuring her. So we'll, we'll, take her back and talk to her by herself and we would do that even with even if she was with someone else it, it doesn't have to be the boyfriend but we just want every woman to have that private space to say what's really happening because it could be her mother sister cousin friend with her who's also pressuring her mm-hmm. um it just varies tremendously <clears throat> excuse me but after we talk with her by herself we can bring him back and, you know, walk through the abortion procedure, the risks and side effects with him there as well, so that he knows exactly what he's either asking her to do or hoping she won't do. And that gives, you know, if he's asking her to do it, then he gets to see the same information and hear what she's going to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's if he hopes she won't do it, then it gives him the facts about, yeah, you're right. This is what it really is. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Maybe then he can um, have more influence over her with those facts right in front of both of them. Mm -hmm. He can also go into the sonogram with her. Um, And this is all at her consent, of course. Um, He can go in the sonogram and see where the fetal development is, how far along she is in the pregnancy, see if there's a heartbeat, get a look at that baby. And that's a very powerful moment when you can see what's happening because Again, if you're, you may have been told it's a blob of tissue, you may not be sure what it is. Then when you see it on the screen, it becomes very real.
0: Mm. When did the sonogram come in to play? I heard it wasn't around when um, Roe versus Wade was out.
2: Right. So we first, we got our sonogram machine in 1999, Okay. which almost seems like five minutes ago. Like, I can't believe it's that brief, Mm. Um, but and I, I'm not sure when sonogram technology first started being used, but mm-hmm. you can imagine for you know grassroots organizations like ours right. to have the money to get that, that took some time. Um, so we got ours in 1999. And so that that's a very powerful window into the womb.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, maybe we can circle back around to that later to talk about how things are playing out now. But um, to wrap up about the guys... They can, they can do all that. you know. They can hear about the abortion procedure risks and side effects. They can be in the sonogram. And they can also talk with a male counselor if mm-hmm. they'd like. So mm-hmm. we have male counselors who um, will come, and they kind of hang near the waiting room so that they can strike up conversations with the guys if there's a guy sitting in there, and the woman is back in the initial portion of the counseling session. Mm-hmm. So he's out there by himself at that point. Mm-hmm. So um, the male counselors can talk with him then, and they have... Uh, the same material, same information, so they can kind of have that one-on-one private conversation to see what's going on with him because he's not always the pressure, mm. you know. And sometimes he he's telling her, again, because of the way our society has programmed everybody to feel like abortion is something you have to consider, he might be in favor of her having the baby, and maybe she even thinks she should have the baby, but maybe she's looking at him thinking, yeah, but I don't really he says it's okay, but I don't really want to do that to him. You know, the the scenarios are endless. The the variety of pressure is endless. But to give you a little bit more about some of these guys, you know, some of them are actually ready to step up to the plate. Some of them just like you know, some women they value life. They inherently understand that this is a positive thing. Mm-hmm. If you know, whether or not it was the right timing or whether or not they should have been sexually active, the guy recognizes that this is a baby. This is my baby. I want this baby. Mm-hmm. Period. Because that's just what you're supposed to wanna do. Right. You know, if there's a baby, you should want the baby. So there are guys who feel very strongly that way and they will encourage her to carry. And then there are guys who opposite end of the spectrum they don't want a baby they don't want the financial responsibility they don't want you know the responsibility of the day-to-day parenting and they're saying if you do this you're on your own Mm. i'm not not going to help you here and then there are a lot of guys who have been told their whole life it's her body it's her choice it's not your decision and they are emasculated For lack of a better term, they don't feel like they have the right to say what they really want or what they really think. And they don't feel like they're allowed to push her to have the baby. So those guys will often tell the woman, you know, whatever you want to do, it's up to you. And the woman in that situation, will occasionally feel empowered by that and say, well, it's my decision, I can do whatever I wanna do, he's not gonna push me, he's not gonna influence me, I can do it, it's my decision. But other women will say, I wish I knew what he really thought. Mm. You know, he won't even tell me, he just keeps saying it's my decision and I don't even know what he really wants. And so, if you don't know what he really wants, you know, the idea of having the baby and that fear that maybe what he really wants isn't the baby, so maybe I'm gonna find that out later. Mm. Maybe the baby's going to be six months old and he's going to say, I never really wanted this. I never said I wanted it. I told you you could do whatever you wanted, but I didn't want it. So the I don't get the right to tell you what to do thing or I won't push you in either direction. It's not necessarily helpful. Even if he were to push her to have an abortion, she would know what she was dealing with. And she could say, I agree or I disagree. Right. But um, that's a little bit of the range of what we see. You know, we see guys who, who want their children. We see guys who don't want their children. And we see guys who feel like they don't even have a right to have an opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. And not to mention, uh, this is who you actually see in the clinic versus, um, I know you've you mentioned it, during the Sunday that you have the the abortion reversal pill yes there are so many many and I and I heard this uh this the statistic the other day that I want to say I might be wrong you might know you definitely know better than me but I heard that 50 percent almost 50 or either 48 or 52 percent of abortions that are done now are actually what they call medical abortions right so they aren't in an actual clinic they're done through the uh, through mail order sometimes and then through the abortion pill that you know you're able to get you know mm-hmm. via prescription or non prescription this is huge okay. yeah
2: so I can clarify some of that so over 50% of abortions now getting up close to 60% now are by the wow. abortion pill Wow. Yep. The abortion pill, um, it was it was approved here in 2000 and, you know, initially accounted for just a small percent of abortions. And initially it was approved to use up to seven weeks from the last menstrual period. Mm. So that's 49 days from the last menstrual period. That's not a lot of time women had to kind of be tuned in and jump on it and know right away that they're pregnant because, mm-hmm. By the time they find out they're pregnant, they'd have about three weeks to take the abortion pill. Mm. So um, the FDA expanded that several years later to 10 weeks, and providers are often prescribing it past that. It's not illegal to prescribe a medication beyond what's recommended. It's just what's called off-label. You know, So you're doing something off-label. So the key is in, is consent, informed consent. So if you know, well, this Prescription is supposed to be used this way, but I'm going to use it this way, and I've been told what the risks and side effects are. They can do that. So there's a lot of wiggle room with that. And so they can prescribe it past the point that it is recommended to be prescribed and that it gets increasingly dangerous as the pregnancy gets further on because it's less effective and so you can have greater risks and side effects from it as you move further into the pregnancy. So it remains the most effective prior to seven weeks. Mm. When I say most effective, unfortunately I mean it fully terminates the pregnancy most effectively Mm. prior to seven weeks. So expanding it puts women at risk in a variety of ways. Um, an incomplete abortion, they will recommend that you have a surgical abortion to complete an incomplete abortion. There are many, many risks and side effects with this medication, but it has steadily overtaken the rate of surgical abortion. And so both of these abortions, they end the life of the baby. That's why this is wrong. That's mm-hmm. why we do what we do to mm-hmm. reach women and tell them this. Um, but they have different risks in, for the woman. So different things can happen to the woman. And so one of the things that troubles us quite a lot is that these pills are billed as if they're very safe. You know, they they're, it's not a problem to take these pills. You won't be hurt in the process. You won't have any long-term issues with fertility or anything like that. Same thing with the surgery. The risks are downplayed. And so what we want to do is sit down with the woman and talk her through both procedures, if she's considering both of them, and what the risks and side effects are for each of them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And now, as you mentioned, um, it's also available by mail. So when the abortion pill was first approved in the United States, there was a, not strict enough, but there was a protocol to try to at least look out for the safety of the woman in the process. Again, mm-hmm. the abortion pill is the abortion pill, it ends a pregnancy, it, it ends the life of an unborn child, made in the image of God, so that's the issue. Um, but in the process, it can also harm the woman. And so acting like this is a safe, healthy procedure, that's not a big deal, is, is wrong. They shouldn't mm-hmm. do that. So earlier on, they, women had to take the first set of pills in the doctor's office. Um, the second set of pills, they would take at home. And then the, after that, they would go back in for a follow-up visit to see if it worked. Because if it didn't work, there could be either tissue left inside the woman that needs to be removed, or she could get a severe infection if it's not removed, so that's a risk, or she could just still be pregnant and not know it, and that's a problem because then she's not taking care of the pregnancy. She's not recognizing that there's still a pregnancy to to handle medically, and so both of those are problems. Also, the abortion pill won't end an ectopic pregnancy. And ectopic pregnancy is dangerous because a woman can die from an ectopic pregnancy.
0: Help me out. What's an ectopic pregnancy? Sure.
2: <laughs> so an ectopic pregnancy is a pregnancy that implants outside of the uterus, and so it can happen. First of all, conception happens in the fallopian tube. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> if we were doing this on YouTube or something, we'd have some graphics up right, right now, right, I'll show right. you some stuff. But basically, I
0: know it, it, it all, it, it's like it, it, you know y- y'all. <laughs> Don't mind me. I'm doing hand <laughs> motion, so I understand. So there are two tubes that come down, and then the fallopian, the fallopian tubes. Yes. Then the uterus is at the bottom. Yes. Okay.
2: And at the, at the start of the fallopian tubes are the ovaries. And so right. you know, the egg is released from the ovary. It goes into the fallopian tube. And so conception actually occurs in the fallopian tube. And then that fertilized egg travels down and implants in the uterine wall.
0: Right. Okay.
2: So if the egg, the fertilized egg doesn't make it into the uterus, it can, you know, by virtue of the fact that we're human and all kinds of things can go wrong, it Mm -hmm. can implant somewhere else. Typically, it might just get stuck in the tube. So if it's ectopic just means outside of the uterus, I'm giving you a. Science lesson right now. Hey, us, <laughs> us
0: girl dads need it. So. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so
2: this is how it goes. Ectopic just means outside of the uterus. Okay. Fallopian pregnancy or tubal pregnancy means that where it did stay or land is the tube. Okay. And so if it grows there, the tube will burst. And mm-hmm. so the woman can hemorrhage and die. It's a very risky situation, mm-hmm. tubal pregnancy. And so if the woman takes the um, abortion pill and the pregnancy is not where she thinks it is, it's not going to come out. Mm. And so then she can have a continuing ectopic pregnancy and not be aware of it. So that's a risk as well. And so now in in light of, you know, all kinds of things, for instance, COVID. Okay, COVID allowed abortion advocates to kind of sneak some things in that then became permanent. And so one of those things was not needing to take the first set of pills in the office, you know, just getting the whole thing and taking it at home. Mm. Um, now getting it by mail. Mm-hmm. A lot of places are not asking women to come back in for the follow up visit, and so if you can do this whole thing at home, you don't have to go in and be seen and have a medical assessment, because you know you need your whole, you know your whole reproductive history and your your health history looked at before you take these medications. They're black box medications. They do have a lot of side effects, and so again, the standard of care. If you just wanted to take care of the woman, if you thought abortion was not a problem, you just want to take care of the woman, this is not even a good standard of care for that. Mm. Because you would want to sit down with her and find out are these medications going to interact with any condition she has, any other medication she's on? You know, does she have anything else that puts her at risk when she takes this medication? Mm -hmm. So now all of that is being done, you know, very cursorily online. You know, you just, you can get online and do a quick little, um, you know, assessment online, answer all those questions and get this just sent to your, to your house, mm. order it in the mail.
0: Yeah, that's scary. Um, just, and not just because of all the health risks mm-hmm. that come with that, but also who has the, um, who it's available to.
2: Exactly. Cause
0: I can just imagine the horrible situations that could happen from this, a young girl who's teenager who once again is scared to have that conversation with their parents goes online uh has a credit card or is it gets it now the the dad is sitting there what is going on with my daughter you know she's having all these issues she's bleeding whatever it is and doesn't know that that is taking place um i think the last time you had mentioned traffickers as well
2: yep traffickers can get a hold of this um, you know, younger girls can get a hold of it. it they could ask their cousin, you mm-hmm. know, their sister, whoever. I mean, anybody who's got a credit card, you know how easy it is to get stuff online.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Very easily done. And now um it's just been approved that pharmacies can um apply to be approved to dispense it directly. So it used to be that it had to be an abortion provider a specific abortion provider that was allowed to dispense this Mm. and they would oversee that whole process. Mm -hmm. And now just all of those safeguards have been lifted. And so it's going to be that you can just, you know, do this little process, this little tiny history, and this is what I need. And then just get it directly from the pharmacy. Mm. So they're, they're able to apply to become dispensers basically.
0: So this is, This is not just a thing of Just you know hey There's a doctor that does this or Maybe a clinic that does this This is something that is going to be Nationwide I think that there was a debate uh, Or a a Discussion about whether or not The postal service was able to deliver It to you know States that have have The restrictions on abortion or not Right
2: Yeah so what's happening now is There's a there's a, an argument about is it legal to mail it to a state where it's illegal mm-hmm. to take it?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so the argument is some of these, so there's two medications in the abortion pill process. The first one is mifepristone. The second one is misoprostol. That the standard FDA regimen, when you hear the abortion pill, RU 486 certain phrases, they mean that two pill regimen. Mm-hmm. And... Mifepristone is specifically for the abortion pill, but misoprostol can be used for other things. It can, mm-hmm. so it's approved to treat other conditions. Mm-hmm. And so the argument right now is, well, how could you restrict mailing misoprostol to a state where abortion is illegal? Because you don't know if she's using it for abortion or not. Like, how mm-hmm. could you regulate all that if this drug is approved for other uses? And so there's a couple things happening. I mean, one is to say, well, you can just mail it because you can mail it, and there's that argument that it should just be able that you can mail anything to any state. Another argument is, well, mysoprostol should be able to be mailed anywhere. And so there is a way to take mysoprostol by itself to have an abortion. You can just take several doses of mysoprostol instead of taking mifepristone with it. So mifepristone is designed the first step, and this is all very technical, um, but the first step is to take mifepristone, which cuts off the progesterone supply to the baby. And then 24 to 48 hours later, you take misoprostol. Misoprostol causes the uterus to contract and to expel the contents of the uterus. Mm. So it's a one-two punch. You know, you cut off the progesterone supply, and then if the body doesn't recognize by itself that the baby has died and needs to be expelled, the misoprostol will cause those contractions so that you can be sure to expel the pregnancy. And so you can just take misoprostol Mm -hmm. and that will just cause contractions. So you take it about three times typically, but if it doesn't work, you can take it more than that and just have that home abortion with misoprostol only.
0: I can't imagine what the side effects of something like that would be what (laughs) I have a hard (laughs) time taking certain supplements (laughs) because I'm like well I don't know how that's going to affect my body right what from what you've seen what are some of the side effects of taking either one of those I mean is it a long-term thing is a short-term like
2: so great question So some of the risks and side effects are nausea, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, dizziness, chills, fever, back pain, pelvic pain. Um, Bleeding can be excessive. If the bleeding is too excessive, then you could possibly need a blood transfusion. Mm. Um, So those are some of the side effects. It can basically feel like you have a really bad flu, a lot of abdominal pain. And it really varies from person to person. Because these are not medications that, you know, you know how you tolerate a Tylenol, right? right. Or cough syrup, you mm-hmm. know, oh, this makes me really tired, whatever. You've been exposed to these things, and so you have a general idea of how well you tolerate different things. Mm-hmm. But with these medications, there's no other, there's no reason you would have taken them. Mm-hmm. You know, the mysoprostol, um, there's going to be a subset of people who've taken misoprostol for other reasons. But this 1-2 regimen, you wouldn't have ever taken it, so you don't know how your body's going to react. And so the body can react really violently. It can make you very violently sick. Those symptoms can last for just, you know, the day or a couple days, or they can continue for a couple weeks. And that those kind of symptoms are not going to continue long term. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bleeding, the average amount of bleeding is 9 to 16 days. But it's not uncommon to bleed for 30 days or more. That is and crazy. It is crazy. And Planned Parenthood, in their paperwork, they say four to six weeks. So I want you to imagine you're 14-year-old girl, 15-year-old girl, and you've bought into this idea, I can't have this baby. Mom and dad are going to be really mad. You know, your cousin is 19. She's got a credit card. She orders this for you. You get it. You take it five weeks later you're still bleeding Mm -hmm. i mean the psychological torment of that Mm
0: -hmm.
1: can't
2: even imagine
0: i don't want you to go there just yet i want to take a break real quick and then we'll be right back because that is literally the next question first it it was going to be the bodily uh reaction and then now the mind so take a break here real quick we'll be right back
1: Truth.
0: all right welcome back from the break so one thing that we I, I yeah you you were going there right before the break I want to kind of understand um and the reason why I'm even bringing this up too is you 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 hit it right on the head you know 14 15 year old getting the the pill through like maybe a 19 year old and it's we're making up this 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 situation but this 100% could be a real situation something that happens yeah Yeah. and I saw a video the other day and of course it could be something that somebody made up but this lady she was crying she was in tears and she's like you know a lot of people talk about abortion but they don't talk about the the mental effects of abortion so I mean, just kind of speak to that then.
2: Absolutely. So, for a lot of women, the initial feeling they have after they have an abortion is relief. Mm-hmm. Okay, we got to be honest about that. That's mm-hmm. a lot of women feel relief afterwards because they were in some kind of pressured, scary situation, and now they feel like they've gotten out of it. Mm-hmm. So, for for a good percentage of women, and I don't know the percentage, but um, for a lot of women, they feel relief. They, re- they self-report that. And that can last a while or not. Um, other feelings can settle in later. Sometimes women feel around the year mark when they would have had the baby, or maybe it was a year earlier that they found out they were pregnant. Mm-hmm. It can creep back in to their mind and, you know, bother them. And they can start with the what ifs. Sometimes it's the next pregnancy. Maybe it's been years and they're pregnant again and now they're in a good situation, maybe they're married or maybe they're in a, you know, a stable relationship and now they're pregnant, and they start thinking about that first one. Mm-hmm. Sometimes women, you know, continue to remember and even they're thinking, "Oh, that baby would have been about 5 years old. That baby would have been going off to kindergarten now." Mm-hmm. So we call that anniversary grief if mm. the feelings are tied to those kind of dates and milestones. Um, some women feel sad and anxious after they have an abortion, and they don't even recognize why. Sometimes they develop, you know, some bad coping habits, and they don't even realize till years later that this is what kicked it off. Mm. So for some women, it's they're more aware. Of what they're wrestling with and what they're feeling bad about and other women it's it's kind of something that's haunting them in the background and they don't necessarily know why um, other women you know they'll take the abortion pill and they regret it immediately mm-hmm. and that's why they end up calling us to see if they can reverse the abortion
1: mm-hmm. so
2: there's a really wide range of reactions but I'll, I'll tell you a story about a woman who this has always stuck with me She was, um, when she came in to see me, she was in her late 30s, and she had, she did not have any children, and she told me that she was an atheist, she didn't believe in God, and she was pro-abortion, she thought abortion was fine, and she had been sexually active for a long time, you know, in her teens and 20s, and had never gotten pregnant, and so, you know, up into her 30s, she thought, well, I haven't gotten pregnant, and I don't, that's, I'm not really cut out to be a mom, so that's fine. I don't really care. So she had kind of decided, I'm going to be a person who doesn't have children. She was just living her life, enjoying her life. And she had a boyfriend and everything was fine. But she got pregnant. And so when she got pregnant, she was like, whoa, you know, I was totally not expecting this. I was just figuring I was never going to have children. Mm -hmm. So, again, not a Christian, actually an atheist. And she decided, oh, I'll just have an abortion because, you know, I wasn't going to do this. So she goes and has an abortion. After the abortion, she experienced post-abortion stress. She did not even think that abortion was wrong. She doesn't even believe in God. And she started feeling bad about having that abortion. Mm. She started noticing other women with babies. Mm. And guess what? They're everywhere. Mm. And so this woman was overwhelmed with all of this grief and regret. Mm. She also had a bad abortion experience. It was a lot more painful than she expected. She did the pill. And so she had a very difficult abortion experience, and then all this regret. Mm. She described being at a family event where someone came in with a baby, and she had to run out of the room and go in the bathroom and cry. Mm. And she's sitting there in front of me saying, what is wrong with me? I don't even, why is this happening to me? Wow. It's, you know, there's, there's a law written on our hearts as human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, that God gives us that sense of right and wrong and we suppress it, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But sometimes it's strong and she was feeling that that natural effect, those consequences of just that conscience, that human conscience that she had done something wrong. And so post-abortion stress can happen even if you don't think abortion is wrong, mm. which is phenomenal. Mm. Um, but for women who do have a background, a faith background, and they've been taught that it's wrong and they've been taught what a child really is, that this is a gift from God, obviously they can struggle on that spiritual level
1: mm-hmm.
2: and really you know, carry a lot of guilt for it. And so we do have post-abortion counseling services that we um, do ourselves and that we recommend because there's a lot of ways to go about it. Um, There are weekend retreats where you can go away, not that we put on, but we, we recommend a place where you can go away for the weekend and kind of deal with it. Like, like a retreat, like you would a marriage retreat or something like that. Mm -hmm. And there are longer term counseling services that people can be a part of. We offer a 10 week post abortion Bible study where, you know, women are in a very small group, a very safe setting. Women are able to talk through everything they've been through from a very solid biblical approach that involves repentance Mm -hmm. and, you know, really dealing head on with what has happened in her life. So it really varies. We find that a lot of women don't experience full-blown regret and post-abortion stress until later in life which is really interesting it can, it can hit you at any time
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's not necessarily that you get through the abortion experience and you feel okay so you're out of the woods it can come back and haunt you later
0: wow yeah i mm, i can't imagine the the pain that would come through that or from that and you know there is a point of there's a point of, you know, one, I'm, 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 I'm just dumbfounded at the fact that we are able to even <laughs> put in Romans one in there, you know, how the, the truth is just suppressed. Right. And, you know, they are exchanging the truth of God for a lie. Right. And, and, and the bigger thing is that like, you know, like in that situation, that, that, that lady what did her partner think you know what did the the father of that child what was his influence was he passive was he saying hey you know we should have this baby like you know what is that but then even as a partner girlfriend boyfriend whomever he he would have to sit there and how was he dealing with that as well of course the the woman she's having problems completely understandable but All the people in that situation, I mean, for her to have to run out of the room and cry because she sees a baby. I mean, that just that 100 percent tells you that this was not something that is just random. This was God's design. And how many times have, you know, a woman in our church, you know, seen a baby and her her stomach starts rumbling, her insides start rumbling because she's like, man, you know, I really want to I want to I wanna have another baby or, you know, just just that feeling of, of me holding a baby. And I'm like, you know, holding wh- whoever, you know, whether yeah. it's holding uh, a Piper, whether it's holding, uh, you know, a little uh, Annabelle, you know, holding that baby. I'm like, I really like holding babies. (laughs) Do I want another one now? I (laughs) have gone through this, you know, a few times. Do I? Yeah. But it's just that feeling of holding a baby and to have to live with the regret of that, you know, it's tough. Obviously, you know, the other side to it is the redemption that we get through, the blood of Christ through Christ's redemptive work on the cross. It's, it's tough to even, you know, kind of just think through like the folks like that who are atheists and what hope do they have? And that hope that's not just like, Hey, I hope this happens. It's literally the hope uh, Titus 1 verse 2 uh, or three, one of those verses, but it's like the hope that we have in the work and, 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 and the, the, the message of the cross. It's so phenomenal. How hard it is to to live like that. Um, it's tough. All right. Let's get through these questions. <laughs> All right. So the next one would be uh, I think we kind of covered it. I'm, not, I'm gonna leave that alone. okay. Um, but as far as wellspring, um, you've already given a ton of information on what you all do, what type of services you all offer. Um, let's do this. We talked about it last time, so I want to bring it up again. Where you're located, especially your Annapolis uh, location. I think you said that it was there was a former abortion clinic that was there. Is that the so one in Severna Park?
2: That's Severna Park. So okay. our original location is Bowie. Okay. So um, we opened a buoy in 1982. Okay. And so it was just one location at the time. And then Severna Park was next. And Severna Park is in an, a, a former abortion facility.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so that is a really amazing thing that God allowed us to do to really redeem that space for mm-hmm. his work yeah. where lives were once lost. And so there's a room in that office that is dedicated to prayer where abortions used to take place Mm. and then our annapolis office we opened in 2012 and that is directly across the street from planned parenthood Mm. so that's where i do most of my work and i love being there Mm -hmm. (laughs) i love it i love it um because you know we know what's happening across the street and We're able to look right out our window, see Planned Parenthood and pray for them. We Mm -hmm. pray for the women going in there. We pray for the abortion providers, the receptionist, the nurses, everybody, because we know that that institution is going to fall. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. going to fail Mm -hmm. because God will right every wrong mm-hmm. in the end. And so whether or not I get to see it in my lifetime doesn't even matter. I know how the story ends. And I want those people in that building, whether they're getting an abortion or providing an abortion, to come to know Christ.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so we just, we really love being on the front lines there. And occasionally we do have a woman come across who's confused about where she's supposed to be for her appointment. So she may be scheduled for an appointment and come into our office by accident. hmm Happens less and less, but especially when we first opened, it happened on day one. Mm-hmm. And so, if she comes in and you know she says her name, and we look down in our book and we're like, hmm, her name is not in this book, so she's probably scheduled for across the street. Mm-hmm. So we'll say, well, what kind of appointment were you scheduled for? She'll say, oh, uh, t- termination. And so we will invite her to stay Mm -hmm. and to sit down and talk with us and go ahead and get a sonogram with us. We'll ask her if she's had a sonogram. We'll explain all of our services are free. Thank you to all of our supporters. Mm -hmm. We don't charge a dime. And so we'll invite her to stay. Often they do just leave to get to their abortion appointment. But once in a while they stay. And, you know, we get the opportunity to interfere right on the day that that baby was going to die. So that's a really amazing privilege that god's allowed us to be there
0: yeah yeah and last time we mentioned also sorry we're keep mentioning last time because we're trying we're literally good guys it was good it was a great podcast we're trying to relive that uh so um one of the things that you mentioned was that uh, the annapolis location was very very close to a predominantly black neighborhood Mm -hmm. uh in annapolis um and you know we talked about it, and now uh, we have the, the actual statistics <laughs> yeah. uh, from that from that from uh, from last year and the year before. I think you sent me a bunch of different statistics or whatever from that.
2: Yeah, we looked at statistics over a couple different years, um, and it's around um, the African-American population you had asked about. It's around 60% of our clients, so 58, mm. 59, depending.
0: Wow. So more than half of the people that walk in are – black women basically yes okay and i think the lowest on that because the next one down was uh white women and then uh latinos were like the lowest percentage that came in there. Is that, or is it the other way around
2: yes so it's for... we can just
0: look at it that might help <laughs> um,
2: yeah, i sent you a bunch of stuff yeah. so for for white women it's been around 20 24 five percent or so and get it varies a little bit year to year and then we have um latino or hispanic women around you know eight to ten percent maybe and then other would be around eight to ten percent
0: okay so yeah when it comes down to the and and a lot of people will say hey well that's not an issue with the african-american community or black community um and this is from this is from 2017, and I just pulled this up really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so from 2017, where are you demographics? Okay. Now, this is one thing that really, really uh, shocked me as well. Um, or should I look at some newer statistics? I, they're all, I think they're all not not good when I look at them, you know, as it is. Uh, 2018 and then let's look at 2018. They were all bad statistics when I looked at them. And when I say bad, I mean, like, I'll give you an example. So client demographics uh, from the Wellspring Pregnancy, uh, Pregnancy Clinic Ministry, that's what you all called at the time, Uh, uh, 21% were nuns. And that is a new term now. The nuns meaning uh, no religious affiliation. That's what the nun, not N-U-N, but Mm -hmm. N-O-N-E, that's what that is. Uh, a percentage of them were, let's see, 3% were Muslim, but an astounding 75% claimed to be Christian. To me, that just blew me away when I read that. Uh, the age of everyone, uh, 29%, 29%, that's the highest, were 30 plus. Mm-hmm. So 30 years and over. Um, 27% were 25 to 29, 28% were 20 to 24 years of age. And then 16% were under 19. And then we go to, and this is 2008 now, um, 18. 2018. I'm sorry. Um, the other, so not black, not Hispanic, not Caucasian were 10%. Hispanic were 10. The Caucasian were 22. And then African American or black were 58%. hmm and i'm 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 dumbfounded because of the fact that there are so many people, so many people that will claim that the black community is has no issue with abortion. i'm I'm just dumbfounded by that. Uh, at one point, I don't know if it's still the case in Queens, New York, there were more babies being aborted than there were uh, born. Uh, at some point, I don't know if that's still the case, but I know at some point that's what it is. Um, I was and this is us reliving that that other podcast uh, recording. I'm going to read to you all something that uh, I, th- I came across and it was actually a, uh, a, a, a rap artist named Bizzle, B-I-Z-Z-L-E. And uh, it's from a song called Poppin'. Um, and basically the term is let's get it popping or let's, let's, uh, I'm going to try to put it in, in non urban vernacular and make it like, let's, let's, let's have a conversation basically. So this is verse three of Bizzle's, uh, um, song popping. And I'm going to try to, like I said, I'm trying to make the urban vernacular, make it, you know, uh, regular English. i put it that way. So, all right. Verse three they're trying to turn your little boy into a princess and they haven't even given him the chance to be a prince yet they sick they're sick of gender telling just sick of gender telling you to clip his member he can't even pick his bedtime but he can pick his gender they say that i'm not woke i say they're ignorant see i remember how the pilgrim pilgrims did the indians Remember, they ain't just they didn't just attack them. They befriended them. They gave them blankets full of disease and ended them outrage for this week and every other week or two. So you don't see the blankets that they're sneaking you. They're not they they aren't trying to squeeze it to you. They ain't got to squeeze it to you. That's what they say. They, They aren't. They don't have to shoot you. Basically, they're feminizing your males and leading you into a lifestyle that won't allow you to reproduce one black life gone. And they march in the street with you. They'll hand you a blanket to say abortion is free for you. How else are you going to get ex slaves to agree with you to kill themselves? Say you're giving them the freedom to now, when he said that I was in the gym (laughs) working out, listening to this and I'm like, this is so spot on. And the fact that they are giving, uh, black people the freedom to to have abortions that like that's what it is reproductive uh, rights, reproductive freedom yep. um, you have uh, uh, you know on display uh, a vice president currently a former uh, first lady that were advocates of this uh, and and really a, an entire uh, political party that is 100% for, uh, abortion and and that freedom to do that. Now, I'm going to back up a second what I just read uh I didn't I, I didn't read it as anything racially when he's talking about the uh, you know, and some may, some people may take it that way that he's saying that uh, white people were the cause of you know the Indians dying. I mean, that's not what he's pointing to. He's pointing to the the method of of doing that. How the uh, the Pilgrims and and quite frankly, some of those were Puritans, you know, Christians as well. It's he's talking about the depravity of man, really, how they would do that to the Native Americans, the Indians, is what he's calling them, and giving them those blankets that had smallpox and killing them and taking their land. Now, that's not the point of the entire thing. The point of it is he befriended them, made them think that they were who they were not. And it's, this is basically literally uh, the scheme of Satan.
2: Yes. And it, it's exactly what we were talking about earlier that You know, it's gone from telling someone you have a right to do this Mm -hmm. to this subtle shift where they feel like they have to do it. Mm -hmm. This freedom has become slavery
1: Mm -hmm.
2: to where people feel like they don't even have a choice. They Mm -hmm. feel like they have to have an abortion. Yeah. And I can't emphasize that enough. I mean- I even had a girl tell me, "Well, I know it, you know, it would be irresponsible of me not to consider all of my options." And she mm. meant abortion. Mm. <laughs> you don't have to consider abortion? Yeah. You do not have to consider abortion. We're so indoctrinated that people think that that's a responsible thing to do. Mm. Th- at least think about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's
2: responsible. It's
0: responsible to think of ending the life of someone else. Yes. Like they like they it's Uh, the right to do that. They have the right to do that. I have the right to kill somebody is what they're saying. And then I have the, I have the right to also do what's best for me. That is that, that if you want a definition of sin, that is the definition of sin. Doing something that you feel is right because one, someone else told you to do it besides the the word of God, besides God telling you to do that, uh, through his scriptures. And then also actually doing something that is literally just for yourself.
2: Yes. And then you can extend it to the fact that, you know, women are told this is a terrible world to bring a child into. Mm. And especially if you can't afford to have the child. Mm. Here's a here's a truth. Women who are single mothers are highly at risk for poverty. Mm. Okay, so single motherhood, I believe, is the highest predictor of poverty for children. Mm hmm. And so you take that and you have this woman who's going to be a single mom and she thinks, well, I shouldn't even bring this child into the world because I would be harming the child
1: Mm. by
2: bringing them into this world. Mm -hmm. And of course, ironically, you could have someone who actually is poor and is financially challenged and they feel like, well, I couldn't bring a child into this world if I can't take care of it. But you could have a person who is upper middle class and -hmm. they want to get even higher Mm -hmm. in their socioeconomic Mm rating, and they feel like, well, if I can't give a child everything, I don't think I should have a child. So the range of the lies that are perpetrated in our country about having children and what's important to be able to give a child, Mm -hmm. it's just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. You could have very little or very much and still believe that you shouldn't have a child Mm -hmm. because... You're supposed to be able to give that child everything, every what thing, every material thing, Mm -hmm. big house, a laptop, computer, a new car when they turn 16 or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So the materialism really plays into it as well. And so we have women who literally think it's their moral obligation to consider abortion. And some of them believe it's their moral obligation to have an abortion. Mm -hmm. And they literally believe this. Mm -hmm. I know for Christians, they would just, it's so backwards if your theology is straight you recognize these lies right away Mm -hmm. and it's very easy to spot them Mm -hmm. but you know without that grounding in the word of god people fall for anything
0: yeah there's this old adage that when you're training a a person uh like a bank teller you're training them to uh know the difference between fake and real money you don't give them the fake money you give them real money and they practice with the real money over and over and over again that's how you know what the truth is. The same thing. If you are uh, training yourself to godliness and making sure that you are uh, growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will understand and you'll see that lie. Now we see it, we yep. understand it. And even when I'm hearing it out in the wild, I would say, I'm like, wait a minute, that's a lie. Right now. Here's a deception. The deception is, when we start to hear it over and over and over again, yes. we begin to start to believe that because it's not like, you know, Satan is coming with just one attack that's or right. or we call it the roaring lion. He's always going, seeking whom he may devour, constantly. Uh, first Peter five. So what you what we're getting is not just a a a one time thing. We're getting an avalanche avalanche of it. You know, different terms yes. here and there. But the important thing is what we're saying to everyone that's. Listening is the uh, the biggest thing is that you have to be rooted and grounded in God's word and God's truth so that when the lies of the of, of, of the world, the lies of Satan come, you understand it. And you know, you know, Ephesians six, we're not wrestling against Flesh and blood we're not having A debate with a person we Are battling principalities Rulers of this dark world spiritual Wickedness in high places so We have to have the belt of truth we have to Have the sword of the spirit we have to Have the shield of faith we have to have our Feet shot with the gospel of peace Like all these different things have To be in place in Order for us to be able to hear All these things and not just that But think about it this way Um (laughs) Uh, I'm, I'm always cautioned, you know, Ephesians two, s- such were some of you, you know, yes. that's not Ephesians, that's first Corinthians, but, uh, the, the Ephesians is, is the two, but God being rich in mercy, you know, we were all these things, but God being rich in mercy. It's like, that is, you know, one of those things is like the compassion that we have to have, uh, in these type of situations. It's like, you know what, this is, this is serious. They are in a battle uh themselves and and we are the person the people that are you know armored to 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 do that to, to show them christ to show them the gospel to show them the other way that this is supposed to go versus their own way in their selfish way so sorry i got a little long-winded
2: no that's great that's exactly what we're here to do we mm-hmm. do it at the pregnancy clinic ministry we do it as a church body mm-hmm. you know i love how outspoken our pastor is about this issue mm-hmm. um, there's lots of, of good faithful pastors who are saying what's right and true across America and then there are a lot who won't address it at all
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, there are a lot who actually are pro-choice yeah and so you know it's a huge problem in the church you mentioned the statistic um, about the 75% who identify as Christian mm-hmm. so of course, that's not the reality of how many of them actually know Christ. Um, but what it reflects is how deceived we are as a culture about what Christianity even is.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, so women walking in the door, they think they're Christians. Mm-hmm. And so they identify as Christians. And then we, you know, are able to share the gospel with them, the real gospel with them. And it's amazing when you share the gospel with them and you say, no, how does that match with what you? were taught in your own church, you you mentioned you're a Christian, and they've never heard it before. Mm. They've never heard the gospel before. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not all of them, but that's a lot of them. So in that 75%, that is a reflection of what our culture thinks Christianity is. Mm -hmm. You know, they believe in this very, uh, a lot of our culture, people believe in this very light, fair Christianity. You're American and you believe in God, therefore you're a Christian. Mm -hmm. It's about what it amounts to or you grew up going to church, grandma dragged you to church, whatever it was, you're a Christian. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them identify that way just because of that loose affiliation. And then we do have some people who really are Christians who consider abortion because they're in a pressured situation or because their theology is completely off base. Mm -hmm. So that's where you get that number. And so we need to share the gospel with even people who identify themselves as Christians. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's tough. Um, I would imagine that there is a uh, huge demand for resources and for help um, in a situation like this. Um, how can we, uh, the listeners, and not just the folks that are at Belcroft, but you know anybody else that may listen to this podcast, how can we help with um, what you all are doing there?
2: I'd say the number one thing is prayer. Mm -hmm. We really need prayer. It is a spiritual battle. Um, Our clients need prayer. Pray for them as they are facing all these different pressures. And whether it's internal, their own internal dialogue or the people around them, whatever it may be, their pressures are endless. So pray for the clients. Pray for the counselors Mm -hmm. that they will have wisdom and boldness to speak the truth in love. Um, Pray for our staff. You know, again, for strength, there are all kinds of spiritual battles that happen when people enter this ministry, whether that's as a staff member or a volunteer counselor, the devil starts throwing it at you. Mm -hmm. And so we see a lot of spiritual warfare going on um, against our volunteers and our staff members. Um, Pray for our board, that they would have wisdom as they oversee the ministry. And of course, you know, pray for our country, pray for the leadership of mm-hmm. our country, pray for our states, you know, states are looking at passing legislation all over the place if they haven't already
1: mm-hmm. about,
2: you know, in one direction or the other. Mm-hmm. So prayer is the biggest weapon. And then of course, you can always support us financially. Um, there's lots of ways to do that. We have a couple big things that we do every year. We have the walk and run for life that's always in September. So you can um, support a, a walker or runner in that. Um, we have baby bottle campaigns, lots of different ways to support us financially. And then, you know, once in a while we need something else, we reach out to the churches and let them know something we need. We have a couple of churches that will come and do some physical work for us, you Mm -hmm. know, upkeep for the building and things like that. Um, so if we need things like that, we reach out because those are specific, not things we need all the time.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, but prayer definitely. And, you know, we love for people, we need volunteers, um, we love for people to take the training class, whether they want to counsel with us or not. Mm-hmm. The training class is just awesome because it trains you on topics like abortion, how to talk to people about abortion. What are the risks and side effects? What are the procedures like? How to talk to people about adoption, how to mm-hmm. talk how to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you don't know how to share the gospel, we teach that in this class as well. Uh, topics related to abstinence. How do you talk to somebody about what they're doing in their <clears throat> romantic relationship? Mm-hmm. How do you confront that if you're a Christian? So the class is great just for people to gain communication skills and knowledge on specific topics that are so pertinent to so many people. And so it will help you get familiar with those things. And we the class is for men and women. Again, we have male volunteers as well. So I really recommend just everybody take the class. It's three times a year. Um, it's offered. It's a ten-week training class, and it's a three-hour. It's three hours per week. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a college semester. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, it's free. There's a a training manual that you have to purchase, and that's it. Other than that, it's free, and it's a wonderful experience. A very rewarding journey through those ten weeks. Mm-hmm. And if you've had an abortion. Um, you know, we have post-abortion counseling and services for that I mentioned earlier. Um, but some people are drawn to the class and to volunteer for us because they've had an abortion. Mm. And so they want to deal with what, the, what is in their past, and then they want to turn that around to minister to other people. And so, you know, that's, that's a big draw for some people as well. It's not atonement. Mm. <laughs> you know, so we, if you've had an abortion, there is freedom in Christ through repentance and faith, and there is healing in Christ. And people do not have to walk around for the rest of their lives feeling that the guilt, the weight of that. Christ has paid for that at the cross. And so there is healing for that. But for some of those women, and again, men, because men can have post abortion stress too, and maybe a man lost a child to an abortion he didn't want, or maybe he encouraged an abortion. You know, so men can need healing for that as well. And sometimes that has been what has drawn men to the ministry is because they want to be able to minister to people in the same situation they were in. So lots of ways to volunteer, lots of ways to support and and assist us. And I should um, mention our director wanted me to let you all know, if you get our newsletter you'd already know about this, but we're expanding our services. Hmm. And so we're going to, we've been offering STD testing for a long time, um, but we're going to expand to do breast exams and pap smears and fertility education. So this is, our, our main focus is always going to be abortion. That's what God has called us to do. But If we can reach women with these other services, then we can build a relationship where they know where to turn Mm -hmm. when they get Mm -hmm. pregnant. And so we're expanding those services and um, that's a really exciting new thing that's coming up. Um, Pam, our director's wanted to do this for a long time. Mm -hmm. She's a visionary, she's an amazing person. She can look down the road and see what needs to be done Mm -hmm. and get going and get it done. So this is the next new thing that we'll be doing.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad that that. And as soon as you said it, I was like, yep, more people coming in the doors and understanding who you all are and uh, then building that relationship. But once again, yet another opportunity to share the gospel with someone right. that you probably would not have come across that they're looking for some type of service. Um, and you know, here it is, here's the gospel. It's all over everything, all over literature coming out of people's mouths on the walls, everything, (laughs) you know, you're going to see and hear the gospel. So that's awesome. Well, uh, yeah, honestly, this podcast was different from the other one. We (laughs) talked about a a lot of different things. So maybe one day uh, we will talk about those things. It'll come back to our memory because I literally don't remember all the stuff that we talked about in that last one. Uh, But I I really appreciate you coming by and uh, and talking through a lot of these things. This is not the last one. Obviously, there's going to be so many more and uh, this is special to me and I'll tell you why. Because I'm having this conversation about abortion on my birthday. So, Happy birthday! So my mom didn't, uh, well, she was married at the time, a different time, you know, back in the seventies, everything was different. Uh, according to your husband, Joy, uh, <laughs> Terry thinks that I was born in 19 or uh, well, 2001. He's like, you're too young for everything. I'm like, I remember everything that you're saying. Like I was there. He, he says, everybody's anybody that's younger than him. Anybody that's
2: younger than him is a baby. <laughs> right.
0: Right. So, but yeah, this is very, uh, this is a topic for me. And you know, you all are going to hear this today. You you all are going to get a a podcast on my birthday. This is my gift to you all, but because this needs to go out now. Um, But this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Um, A lot of you all have asked me about a specific T-shirt that I wear. Uh, I'll try to uh, put that on uh, the podcast in the notes as well. Um, So if you're interested, um, you know, feel free to to look at that. But I'm also going to put the information from Wellspring there as well thank you all so much for listening um i'm gonna first uh she did it i was gonna ask her to do it but speak to people that have already had abortions or even considering it you already did that so that is it but here is the ultimate uh the ultimate hope the ultimate way uh uh that everyone needs to hear um thank you all for listening and this is the gospel of jesus christ this is the gospel of jesus christ the biblical gospel starts with god Out of nothing, God made everything, including you and me, to bring himself much pleasure. His purpose for us as humanity was to love, obey, and enjoy him perfectly. Instead of this, man has sinned against our loving creator and acted in rebellion. Since God is good and just, he must punish sin that deserves eternal, conscious punishment under God's wrath in hell. But God, being merciful, loving, and gracious, had a plan to punish sin and so be a just judge and yet forgive sinners and so display mercy by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, the co-equal and co-eternal son of God to take on human flesh, fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners, loving, obeying and enjoying him perfectly. Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross and he satisfied the eternal anger of God. Standing in a place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless, God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. Now Jesus commands everyone, everywhere, to repent, turn from their sin, and believe, trust in him. This is the glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner, and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead an adopted son and daughter's covered in the perfect righteousness of his son we can now have peace with god and have eternal life with him forever it's true for every person in every culture in every place in every language through all time so our response to this good news is repentance and faith dear hearer behold now is the accepted time behold now is the day of salvation turn from your sins Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and this day be reconciled to God.
1: Thanks for tuning in to us. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to thetruthtalkspodcast.gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at thetruthtalkspodcast. And visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. Ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.